WDRB News Alert, another major change in leadership within the Louisville Metro Police Department. This afternoon, Mayor Greg Fisher introduced Yvette Gentry as the new interim chief of police. Gentry will replace interim chief Robert Schroeder starting on This is a day of reckoning for law enforcement, and, and I know everybody kind of wants to go back, but you know some of the stuff I experienced um, within law enforcement, so some truth has to be said, um, and you know, the union, like I said, has to be a part of the change that we want to see for the sake of From the digital journalists of WDRP.com, this is Uncovered, a behind-the-scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRB.com. Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher has turned to a familiar face to lead the Metro Police Department amid a tumultuous year. Yvette Gentry is a 50-year-old Louisville native who was once deputy chief of the department. She's returning to be the interim chief, the first woman and the first black woman to hold that job. WDRB's Stefan Johnson talked one-on-one -on -one with Gentry on Monday about the department's challenges, the Breonna Taylor case, and why she decided to come back. We're going to play the entire interview for this podcast and stick around when it's over as I will get Stefan's take on Gentry. Okay, so let me just start by saying thank you, first of all, for sitting down to talk with us. This is perhaps the toughest time that this city has endured since um, 1968 when there were um, riots here in Louisville. Why do you want this job, and what do you think you can change? Whew. I, I do believe, and I've said it over and over, and I, truth before reconciliation, right? So um, I'm excited about the police chief search that's going on. I, I want them to find a permanent chief, but I think that there is a different person that can stand in a gap that knows from experience a lot of things um, that can help us maybe accelerate moving forward in a more equitable manner. Um, so I felt like um, it should be me to stand in the gap and do this. Okay. Um, many citizens in this, in, in this city are losing faith in the police department, especially leadership. They've seen officers accused of wrongdoing um, on a number of occasions, um, in particular the Explorer scandal, the Breonna Taylor case, um, which is still um, being investigated but then there's little to no punishment. Um, mm -hmm. What do you say to, to the people who, who are concerned about uh, some of the issues like that within the department? I would just say, you know, law enforcement has not done a good job historically of being vocal about what the standard is for the, for the department you know, for, for law enforcement across the country. Um, I think if you go in the military, when I was in the military, this is the standard, right? You have to meet this, and when you fall below the standard, they will help you exit. Um, and so I think some of this stuff is things that um, have kind of come around because law enforcement as a whole has not really set the standard or been vocal against it. I think the first time I ever saw um, a statement at all about, you know, putting out a statement to say we do not tolerate this was in George Floyd. 
I have never seen a, a, a state or a national FOP put out a statement like that. So I think those are some of the things that have to change to say this is the standard for people to believe that there is a standard because I know that there is a standard across police departments. Um, they're going to make mistakes. Some of it is unexcusable. When it is, you just got to speak it. Um, but the rest of us have suffered, right? The rest of law enforcement people suffer when that standard is not spoken and, and adhered to across the country and across the board. Like me, you are from Louisville, so we both know a lot of good police officers who want to do what's right. They love to protect and serve this city. They're out uh, working long hours um, for little pay in some cases mm -hmm. um, with the pandemic. Uh, uh, facing our uh, country, city and state, and they feel like they're being punished for uh, the actions of a few bad apples. Mm -hmm. What do you say to those officers who, who come in every day and risk their lives? Been there, done that, right? Um, we sign up for this. Um, so it's tough. So I, I say to them, hang in there. But I, I will go back to my answer earlier. Like law enforcement has is this a day of reckoning for law enforcement? And, and I know everybody kind of wants to go back, but you know some of the stuff I experienced um, within law enforcement. So some truth has to be said. Um, and you know, the union, like I said, has to be a part of the change that we want to see for the sake of good police officers, for the sake of them. They have to say, this is the standard, this officer fell below the standard and they got to go. Um, I feel like, you know, the city can't save them. Nobody can save the, the reputation of the profession, but the people within the profession. Uh, but I do say, um, from a community standpoint, I think sometimes people don't really realize how hard it is and how hard it is to be that rookie officer yeah. that can't make the decision, that doesn't do the communication, that uh, is following an order or doing something like that and feels caught in between. Um, but I, I really do believe that it's on law enforcement now and leadership across law enforcement to say, this is the standard to make it very clear um, how you're gonna do business in a city. You ride through downtown Louisville, you see businesses are boarded up. In the last several months, murders are up. Carjackings have just been out of control and other crime is on the rise as well. Um, what about citizens of Louisville? What do you say to them who have concerns, who are afraid to come mm -hmm. to certain parts of the city? I, I say we all have work to do. Um, when I say it's a day of reckoning a little bit for our city, I thought about that, I was like, People are losing their minds from seeing boards on buildings <laughs> for four months, right? Um, and, and seeing this stuff. Some communities have been seeing boarded up buildings and, and uh, violence for a very long time. Uh, but as long as it was contained, it never got the attention that I felt like it deserved. So now is the time for us to address it all, right? It's not a single struggle issue. Um, and so that's why, that's, I'm gonna say that over and over and over and over, it's not a single struggle issue. Inequity, all of these systemic problems have created the conditions we have right now. Uh, we, we were on quicksand for a long time, and now stuff is starting to crumble. And so you can't just rebuild it on quicksand, you gotta do something different. And uh, that's what we gotta do, we gotta come out of this better. We can't go through all of this and not come out of it better. That would be a tragedy. Well, one of the things that got us where we are today is the, the Breonna Taylor case. Right. Um, you uh, being hired is a historic move for this city, but there are a lot of people who will say they hired a black female mm -hmm. ahead of the Breonna Taylor decision. Right. What do you say to that? What are I'm, your thoughts on that? I'm no optic. I'm not here for that. Anybody that knows me, that has known me longer, I, I don't, I'm not here for that. I'm not to be propped up to be the black face. 
I'm waiting on to hear the facts. If there's something that I feel like, um, you know, I, w I want to hear the evidence. I I've been an investigator a long time. I know that there's a lot of lies being told out there just in social media. A lot of people just see different stuff and, and uh, I don't know what the truth is because I haven't seen anything. You know, like I said, I haven't walked across the street to, to get a file. I, don't, I won't be privy to that until September. So I'm waiting on the AG's ruling as well to see what can we learn from this to go forward as a better police department, A. And what can we learn better from the media too, you know? I talked earlier in my press conference about, you know, some of the women that have fought for justice in this city and dying early and being sick. In your profession, I see them too. I see Don sick. I see Monica sick. Um, we're all in these systems um, that don't always treat us good. Um, and sometimes they pit us against each other. Um, so it was important for me to sit down and talk to you today. It's like, you know, because sometimes we get pitted against each other. I've been there. Um, so I think it's important that you know, a whole lot of honesty has to be had right now. Um, this, this is our time to, uh, to admit some of our mistakes and move forward. None of us have to be perfect. And that's the thing, we all think we gotta be perfect. You and I were talking off camera about that. Um, and some of the arguments have been, uh, was Breonna Taylor this and was she that? I think we have got so used to trying to value people's lives over other people's lives. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to ask ourselves, did she have to die? Yeah. Did she have to die? We don't have to be perfect to live. We don't have to be perfect to work in these places. Nobody else feels that pressure. Everybody doesn't feel that pressure, I should say. But some of us do, and we shouldn't. I always wonder in cases like this, um, when you're on the outside, but you have that background as an investigator, mm -hmm. um, you're a black female too, you have black sons, so you know. I've been stopped by police officers, mm -hmm. um, your sons, maybe they have your husband, I'm sure mm -hmm. he has. What were your thoughts when you heard about that case, when you saw that case, when you saw that Breonna Taylor was in her home? Um... Whenever I see a first news run, I always wait because I feel like too often people will believe who speaks first mm -hmm. and not wait for due process or whatever. So I, that's why people were always asking me stuff and I wanted to know, like, let me, let me gather the facts. The crazy thing is law enforcement is casting a net, right? So you're gonna be stopped sometimes, you know. People out there shooting people, they got big guns, it's stuff, you talk about community violence, that means people are gonna be stopped. That means things are gonna happen. Uh, but it's how you treat people, and it's the social capital you built up leading up to that, right? Uh, I can't promise you that people are not gonna be stopped. My sons might be stopped. I just wanna make sure that they're treated the right way. Um, law enforcement doesn't have a magic wand. Um, it's it's a net that you cast. You don't want to cast it so wide that you have stop and frisk, uh, but you don't want to cast it so narrow that you have 120 uh, homicides and, and people with guns everywhere either. So, I mean, I wish it was a science to it and technology helps, but it's about relationship building and, and sometimes inconvenience on some people's parts, um, but it shouldn't be that disproportionate. Yeah, I heard you, I once heard you say that every stop between a black um, person and a white officer is not about race right. and is that important for people to understand? I think so. I mean we shouldn't, we're a 10% minority so the reality is 90% of our officers don't, are, are, are white and that doesn't mean 90% of them are racist. <laughs> it means 90% of them are white and sometimes those interactions are going to be interracial um, but it just goes back to building up the relationships and I think when you become a consumer I think having that time to reflect um, 
and just be a citizen for like five years, I will just tell the officers, you gotta build relationships. That comes from going into a Thornton's and sometimes speaking to officers and they don't speak back. Uh, and I'm like, well, not, I don't expect them to know who I am. They're young, a lot of them don't know me, um, but I expect them to acknowledge. Um, and those are just the basics in relationship building that I think we gotta start from. But, uh, and just let, and, and, and so in their defense too, um, we gotta train them. I, I, I start thinking about all this stuff building up to this and I said, I remember them training me on every way somebody was gonna kill me. You know, we gotta stop doing that. It makes you a little bit paranoid. Uh, it has to, right? Um, so you come in in the morning and it was the name of the officers that were killed on the board and all of that stuff. And that, that's not healthy. Um, and so I sit here as the first female to say that one thing, something that a lot of people don't ever talk about is fear. Uh, a lot of them are afraid. Um, so we gotta get some mentors out there. We gotta give them some tools and, and we gotta give them some support so that they realize it's tough, it's tough world out there. And they gotta go out there and make it safe for your son and my son too. Um, and so we, we, gotta, we gotta find some middle ground. We have to find some middle ground. They, they deserve it, our community deserves that. I know you stay in contact with Chief Robert White. Um, did Chief Conrad, after you retired, ever reach out to you? I would run into him from time to time, but no, he never really sought my counsel um, on any particular issue. When you um, uh, were not hired, uh, when Conrad was hired, mm -hmm. uh, eight years ago, I think it was, or mm -hmm. a little more than eight years ago. Um, there were a lot of pastors. I called Chief White and talked to him, um, a lot of business leaders who thought you should have been the next chief. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think people felt so strongly? And I see it on social media, them sending you messages or saying, Yvette, please come back mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people feel that way about you? I just think they recognize me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm present, you know, I'm, People talk about neighborhoods that they're not president in. You know, I've, I've been president in this community and I've been working hard. And so I'll just say this, when you, when you believe God has for you, has for you, I won't go down that rabbit hole of should I been chief or it, it should have been me, all of that stuff. I won't, I won't do that. Um, I think things happen in due time. Um, so so I, won't, I won't do that. For, but um, I know you've agreed to do the job for six months. Do you want it permanently? Would you take it no. permanently? No, my husband uh, and my family, my kids don't want this stress on me. You know, I'm a, best, a breast cancer survivor. Um, and I talked about um, Kelly who, uh, Watson and um, some of the other women that have served trying to fight justice. It's just, it's so stressful. Um, and I came here to honor them and honor their service um, and do my part and then move on. Okay, those, those, there were some ugly comments uh, on Facebook a while ago mm -hmm. from some retired police officers. How bad did that hurt? I mean, it hurts because, I mean, I think people don't realize that um, sometimes people are screaming and yelling at you and they don't realize. I think that was a part of me being in a uniform or being in a suit here in the office. And sometimes people, I talk about Nicole, you know, they see Nicole in her blazer um, and, and she left this place, right? And here we are, the first ones to run back in to try to help save it. Um, so it's a strange, it's a strange circumstance that we find ourselves in sometimes, but we do it because we do care um, and we want to see our city better. So we just serve despite it all. Um, you mentioned your cancer. How is your health today? It's good. I, I'm good. I uh, have a clean bill of health. I'm, I'm looking forward to staying that way. 
Um, so I, I feel great. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, but I'm ready to stay for a while. <laughs> but I'm ready. You take over on October 1st. What's the fir first thing you want to do as chief? I just got to talk to people. I just got to, I feel like some voices haven't been heard. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that have been spokespeople uh, for different parts of the community, but I know this community. When you say, why do people expect you, to, why do they want you here? I know people. I'm in these neighborhoods every day. And so I feel like some voices need to be elevated. So I'm gonna do a lot of listening. Um, and then just try to be present with the officers that are young and just need some, some just need to see that I'm there with them, you know, so. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be some long days, but uh, I'm ready. And finally, um, anything you want to share with the community? And, you know, I know there are lots of people saying we want justice for mm -hmm. um, George Floyd in other cities, Ahmaud Arbery mm -hmm. in another city, um, Breonna Taylor here in, in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Do you think that people uh, should be wor worried about or ask for justice for themselves as well? Justice is so, this is how far we've gotten in this country when people say justice, and I, I tell people it's in leadership, um, and, and absolutely we want to create a system of equal justice because we're not there. Uh, but justice is something most people want for other people. They don't want it for themselves. They want mercy. When I'm wrong, I want mercy, right? I don't want justice. If God gave me what I deserved, he wouldn't have healed my body from cancer. Let's just be clear on that. Um, and so that's where we got to figure out how do we create a, a criminal justice system that is fair and consistent and equal. Uh, that doesn't mean that officers get to do whatever they want and get away with it. That's not going to work. Uh, and that doesn't mean the citizens get to do whatever they want. So everybody got a little sweeping around some front doors to do. Uh, but we can get there. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And now here's my conversation with Stefan Johnson. I started by asking him to tell me more about Yvette Gentry. Well, you know, I know uh, Yvette personally. Um, we're both from Louisville. She's a, a proud graduate of Central High School, the University of Louisville. Um, she's married to Donald, who is her high school sweetheart. And I think they've been married for like 30 plus years. Um, he's uh, born and raised in Louisville as well. Um, she served for eight years in the Army National Guard. She uh, joined the old Louisville Police Department um, uh, in the Communications Department, I think in 1990. And then in 94, uh, she became a police officer and worked her way up the ranks. And, um, and she's somebody who loves this city. And so I think that that is what brought her back. When I first heard about it, I reached out to her because I thought that maybe this is it. She wants the job. I know she wanted it when Chief White left and and was disappointed when she didn't get the job. And so I thought that that's what we're about to see. But this is and she's made that very clear. And so is the mayor that this is only a temporary thing. And she's here to help lead the department in the city forward until a permanent replacement can be found. Stefan, if Yvette Gentry was once interested back in 2012 in becoming the permanent chief of LMPD and did not get that job at the time, she's only 50 now. What do you make of her returning, but at the same time vowing that this will not be a position that she wants to hold permanently? I think that She's enjoyed her retirement so much, and this job brings with it a lot of stress. 
You know, we see the police chief in the uniform and and um, and they're uh, usually smiling if it's uh, if they're out in public and talking to people. But, you know, I think that they get a lot of phone calls in the middle of the night. And I think that she just has to uh, decide, you know, uh, if that's something she wants to do again. And from what I understand, she doesn't want to do it and neither neither does her family. She talked a lot about her health. She's a cancer survivor and and she's had some other issues in terms of uh, stress-related uh, illnesses. And I think that a lot of that comes from positions like that. And so um, I think at this point in her life, she is not ready to take that on. And you also have to keep in mind that that she's still working. She's still active. She works with the Rajon Rondo Foundation. She's the executive director, I believe. And I mean, that is a well-oiled machine. I mean, they're doing a lot in the community. Uh, Rondo doesn't like to talk about it or or bring too much attention to it. But but Yvette, you know, she says, hey, we got to let people know when we're doing great things. Uh, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rondo bought groceries for, you know, a bunch of people at at a local Kroger store. And and uh, Gentry was, uh, you know, behind that. She uh, Rondo was there bagging groceries and stuff, but it took some effort leading up to it. They are also, they gave food away. And so there are other things that she's doing. Um, and, and I think that that keeps her busy enough. But I think from what I understood, she felt like her city needed her. You know, this is her hometown. She takes a lot of pride in it. She says she cares about, you know, the next chief and she wants them to take their time and have the time to find the proper candidate or the right candidate, I should say. Stefan, I thought the most interesting part of your interview was that Gentry, although she is the first woman and the first black woman to lead LMPD, rejected the idea that her getting this position, stepping in at this time, is about symbolism. Right. That she said that she's not, you know, the black face. She made that very clear that she was not. Uh, just somebody put in place because she is a black female. And, you know, I think her resume speaks for itself. Um, The fact that she has served uh, in the military for eight years, the fact that she has uh, been on the police department for uh, more than 20 years and worked her way up the ranks. Um, She counts uh, Chief Robert White, former uh, Metro Police Chief, as one of her um, mentors and, and still Uh, keeps in contact with him. So, uh, you know, I think that this is a job that she has been um, preparing for for the last 20 uh, years of her life. And it just so happens that, you know, it's only on a a temporary basis. So with that said, she did uh, uh, say that she believes that she is the right candidate um, to hold the position until a permanent replacement uh, can be found. It is only an interim appointment. Uh, So, Stefan, what changes do you think she will be able to make to the department? I believe you asked her about this, and uh, she kept talking about standards. Not a lot of detail there, but what did you make of that part of the interview? Well, so I think um, from what I understood, she didn't plan on coming in and making uh, any significant changes. Um, When she talked about standards, Uh, She said that departments have to have certain standards 
that they're governed by. And she pointed out uh, the George George Floyd case, and and she she actually called out um, the FOP. She called out uh, the police unions um, across the country, basically saying that they need to step up and say, hey, if this falls outside the standards, you know, then we need to say, well, you know, that officer needs to go. And she said in the George Floyd case, that was the first time she had ever seen that happen. Um, so again, she she said that the standards are, are set or should be set by the officers. You know, she said that the city uh, can't protect the officer's uh, reputation. She said that um, it's the people um, who have to t- protect it, the profession, um, uh, the people within the profession who have to protect it. You asked her also about her reaction to what happened to Breonna Taylor and what the community should take away from that, what her message is uh, to the, the residents uh, of the city. Tell us about that. Well, I was, I'm, you know, I think like everybody else, I was really curious to get her take on it because, I mean, this is something that personally I deal with a lot myself. You know, um, I'm a black male in Louisville, so um, and I have a lot of uh, uh, friends and family members who are police officers um, so I see it from both perspectives sometimes. And I ask her, you know, being a black female, but being an investigator, what were your initial thoughts? And she said, um, it's very interesting, um, she was waiting to form an opinion. She said the first thing she heard, she um, didn't necessarily um, count that as gospel because she said people tend to believe the first thing they hear, and, and that's not always the truth. You know, sometimes that's just because the other side is not talking. And she said she's still waiting for all of the facts. She said, look, I haven't walked across the street, um, uh, meaning to the police department, and asked for a file and looked at anything. And so she said she's like everyone else. She's waiting on uh, Attorney General uh, Daniel Cameron's report. And she said after that, you know, and after she's looked at all the evidence in the case, She'll um, uh, determine if she believes that, you know, a crime was committed or if the report um, is accurate. And I want to go back to one other thing. Um, Sure. When she when you asked me about the standards, so she had a lot to say about that. And I thought that was I mean, again, she she called again, as I said, on she said police unions have to speak up. Um, And these are her words. I I wanted to find um, what she said. She says. Um, in terms of the officers, uh, they have to say um, this is the standard. The officers fell below the standard, and, you know, in some cases they may have to go. She said, I feel like the city can't save them. Nobody can save the reputation of the profession but the people within the profession. So basically saying people have to live up to the standards that they've set. Stefan, this is an awkward time for the city to be searching for a new permanent police chief, as Mayor Fisher is doing, because uh, the political nature of this job, you know, Fisher only has two more years uh, in office, and then the next uh, presumably Democrat is going to ascend to that position and likely will want to put in their own person. Uh, so it's a tough role to step into without that certainty of who, you know, who the boss is going to be and whether uh, you it really will be a long term position. I know Yvette Gentry has said that she 
is not interested in a long-term position, uh, but six months is not a lot of time to make systemic change at an organization like LMPD. What do you think there's any chances, any, um, any possibility that her uh, assignment, particularly if she's successful in these things, turns into more of a long-term position? You know, going into the interview, I actually did, Chris. I thought that if things go well over the next six months, there's a chance she could stay. But just sitting down and talking to her and knowing uh, Yvette uh, the way I do, and, and she's just a very, uh, she's a straight shooter. And and, um, and knowing her family and knowing her husband, who's a great guy, um, Donald, she said, you know, she was getting uh, the evil eye even yesterday, even on Monday, she was getting the evil eye. And a lot of family members are telling her they don't want her to do this. She even mentioned her children. Uh, they have four boys. Um, and I, I know that a, a couple of them are in college and, uh, you know, maybe one or two in high school. But she even said that her sons, her children said, you know, why would you do this? And I think, you know, going back to the stress, the fact that she's a cancer survivor and um, and some of that stress, I mean, it comes from uh, policing in 2020 and some of it comes from, you know, it's in, internal, you know, um, uh, in the last couple of months, there were some uh, things on Facebook, some retired police officers who said some really, really hurtful things about her. And she said that 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 was really hard um, to read and see. And so I think that those are some of the things that may keep her from coming back. And also she has a job and she's enjoying retirement. So, you know, I personally, uh, you know, if I had uh, to bet on it, I'd say that she probably won't. I know that she did. I think she has agreed to do it a little longer or she would consider doing it longer if they have not found a permanent replacement in six months. Well, Stefan, we're going to be watching what she does at LNPD, uh, and I so much appreciate your reporting. Thanks for nailing that, getting that interview. Uh, very helpful to our viewers, and uh, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great talking to you. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.